0: My inner warrior was screaming and fighting, let me out, let me out. (laughs) You know, stop silencing me, let me speak. It was just my intuition and and my inner warrior who got me to stand up and go stand on that stage in front of 100 plus people and all the press. (laughs)
1: Welcome to Native Lights, where indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem.
2: And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. Thank you for joining us. So Native Lights is at its core, a place for native folks to tell their stories. Each week we have conversations with great guests, including policymakers, healers, language warriors, water protectors, and even fellow content creators like I consider us to be. Uh, the list goes on uh, and we're hearing about their gifts, how they realize those gifts and how they are now sharing them with their community batten a lot more.
1: Absolutely. So, Cole, how are you doing?
2: Good, good. It's, uh, you know, uh, as every Minnesotan knows right now, it's very cold. <sighs> been having more fires at the house, you know, uh, but that's also increased the allergies, but whatever, it's fine. It's, you know, good to be in that fireplace zone every now and then. <laughs>
1: how are you? Fine. Yeah, I, I didn't even know it was cold. <laughs> 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 I, I will never... <laughs> Uh, Not know the weather (laughs) if it's cold. I don't know. Our our propane got down to like less than 10%. (laughs) So to avoid it being frozen, we had to do kind of a last minute call to the propane provider. Say, can you come out, please? (laughs) They're like, we're really busy. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I would imagine so.
2: But you guys did eventually get it handled, right?
1: Yeah, you know, they came out, they came just this (laughs) afternoon, so we're fine. Thank goodness. But yeah, the the month of February, it it gets pretty cold. Also, uh, February 14th marks a day of honoring for those who are missing and murdered. So the MMIWR, or the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Relatives epidemic, is ongoing. In fact, there's a report, a 2020 report, by the Minnesota Task Force on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women that reads as follows. While Indigenous people make up just 1% of the state's population, 9% of all murdered girls and women in Minnesota from 2010 to 2019 were American Indian. So that's a huge disparity. So 1% of the state population, 9% of all murdered girls and women in Minnesota were American Indian. Uh, That's many times more than the average.
2: Striking number.
1: Yeah. So this month that holds this day of honoring on February 14th, there are actually several days throughout the year that honor MMIWR. But you know what? It, it's an ongoing epidemic. So we remember it day in and day out. So I'm really excited to have our conversation with today's guest. Today's guest is Jessica Smith. Jessica's a citizen of the Boys Fort Band of Ojibwe and a student at the University of Wisconsin Superior and soon to be student at the University of Minnesota Duluth. She is a survivor and a Two Spirit warrior, and she's a legal advocate for missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls and Two Spirit. And she's an Indigenous people's rights activist, Indigenous scholar and researcher, and does so, so, so much. Um, She's also a McNair scholar doing research on missing and murdered Indigenous people. So we'll chat with her about her work and her own connection to it. And I just want to point out that we will hear some of Jessica's trafficking experience so there will be some tough moments to hear. So please be advised and take care. Hi, Buju <laughs> It's nice to
0: see you. Thank
2: too. Boujo, Jessica. Uh, could you just start by, you know, introducing yourself?
0: Uju, Gakina Awiya, Gawin, Apaji, Ninata, Ojibwe, Mosi, Jessica, Nindij Nakaz, Giriga Kunts, Nindajugu, Mayangan, Nindundem, Boys Fort, Nindunjaba, Cloquet, Nagachiwanang, Ninda. Uju, everyone, hello. I do not know how to speak Ojibwe very much just because my English name, the spirits call me Giriga Kunts. I am Wolf clan. I am from the Boys Fort Reservation. I live in Cloquet near the Fond du Lac Reservation. I am a two-spirit survivor of domestic violence, sexual assault, and human trafficking, full-time student, mother and caretaker, and research and advocate.
2: Meek waits for that. Uh, Could you uh, just tell me how, how you and your family are doing during the pandemic?
0: We are actually doing very well. My mother, who I'm a caretaker for, is immune compromised. So when the pandemic first hit, we put a lot of safety precautions in and really tried to protect her against the virus because, you know, she has diabetes and then she also has a severe brain injury and a lot of blood pressure issues, issues. So we kind of stayed home all the time, even though there was a lockdown. Um, we really didn't go anywhere. But she did get her first dose of the vaccine last week, so we are very hopeful for that um, to be able to protect her. Other than that, you know, with with the pandemic, I think that you know, it has actually kind of benefited me and my daughter. I have a thirteen year old daughter. And prior to the pandemic, she was kind of struggling in school. And once everything went all virtual, she started doing a lot better in her classes. And I think maybe that has to do with just being able to work on things herself in her own time a lot, instead of having to be so constricted to the classroom and time schedule within the school. So, and that has also really worked in um, my behalf. Online school has really been kind of a blessing. You know, I look at that as a silver lining, you know, because prior to COVID, I had to drive from Cloquet to Superior, Wisconsin, where my school is at. And that was taking me away from the house. And I had to you know, put people in place for the safety of my mother, So it allows me to be at home more and to be, you know, a better support person for my mother and then for my daughter as well. So.
2: So Jessica, can you please tell me about your work?
0: Yeah, I do a lot of work. I wear a lot of different hats. And um, I mean, I'm a student, I'm a legal studies, First Nation studies student. I started researching my first semester back to school in 10 years. Um, I'm a trafficking survivor. So And a survivor of all different types of violence. And I took on an independent study because it allowed me to be home more with my mom. So, when I met with my advisor for that, for the first time, um, my advisor had asked me, you know, pick that you feel compassionate about and something that, you know, intersects with both your major and your minor. So, I'm legal studies and First Nation studies um, minor. And I immediately chose, you know, the epidemic of missing and murdered indigenous people. Even throughout that first independent study, I kind of kept it a secret. You know, I didn't um, come out into the public um, as the trafficking survivor. And um, it was not until last year at the Duluth trafficking awareness event that they had, where there was a lot of press and um, there was a Pete Stobber was there and he was somebody who I was contacting throughout my research because at that time he was not supporting Savannah's Act, which was recently passed but it's, it was a really crucial um, bill to help with the epidemic of missing and murdered indigenous women and all of the jurisdictional and database issues that surround it. So um, I was not scheduled to speak at that event, but I was sitting in the back of the room and something inside of me just told me like, you need to get up and speak. You need to get up and say something. So I walked up to the stage and um, I got up to the microphone and I stood in front of the, a group of 100 plus people, all press, and told my trafficking story and then turned around and looked at Pete Stauber and asked him what he was doing to protect Indigenous women from trafficking in Minnesota and if he was supporting Savannah's act.
1: You talked about kind of getting the strength to share your story.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about that? How did you... Where did you feel that strength from? I guess there was a part of me inside of me, just I want to call it my inner warrior because that's you know what it was. My inner warrior was screaming and fighting, let me out, let me out. <laughs> um, stop, you know, stop silencing me, let me speak. It was just my intuition and, and my inner warrior who got me to stand up and go stand on that stage in front of 100 plus people and all the press and tell my trafficking story. It's hard to explain how I felt after that, but it was an intense amount of release. You know, I felt like I had 100 pounds of stress just off my shoulders. And I felt like I completely kind of freed myself from, from that pain that I have been holding inside for so long. So it was good to finally get that out.
1: Jessica, can you tell me a bit about working as a McNair scholar?
0: So when I did my research with McNair scholar program, I... Kind of looked through and read through a lot of existing literature that was out there on trafficking and particularly, you know, trafficking within Native women. And what I found was there was a really severe lack of literature and research that was written or you know conducted by Native people or Native women, specifically Native survivors. So. I took it upon myself to really dive deep into the issue of trafficking. and then I um, surveyed 12 people who have all done really amazing work, grassroots organizations and and warriors, you know, frontline warriors. And so my work was really just uplifting theirs and uplifting their voices. It went really well. You know, the the research report got uh, national attention and um, I was invited to do some training with the judicial council in California on how they can be more culturally supportive to native victims. And I've I've just been doing multiple trainings kind of across all of the country, um, stemming from the recommendations within that report.
2: You're listening to Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're hearing from Jessica Smith of the Boys Fort Band of Ojibwe. She's a mother, a survivor, and two-spirit warrior, an Indigenous scholar and a researcher, and so much more.
1: So, Jessica, thank you so much for sharing about finding the strength to speak up about trafficking and other violence you experienced is there a part of your story you'd feel comfortable sharing with us
0: yeah um so after I had a family member that um that was abused and it really kind of put me in a really bad place emotionally and and physically and I was severely depressed and I think that a lot of times online traffickers look for that and they can see those signs of vulnerable people and they take advantage of it. And I had what I thought was, you know, kind of a relationship with this man who was, you know, from from Las Vegas. And I probably about 10 months or so was talking with him online on phone and, you know, building this, what I thought was a relationship. I had kind of fallen for it that I was going to go out and spend, you know, the summer with this man and do all this like modeling work and things that he had promised. And um, once I got there, you know, almost immediately I knew it was not the situation and what I thought it was. After all of that kind of happened, I was able to reach out to my mother and um, she found me a way home. So I did, you know, safely get out of that situation. And even, you know, even after it, you know, he still was in contact with me and trying to be you know controlling and that and um now it's it's scary to talk about and you know I sometimes it's it's not that I fear he's going to come after me or anything like that because I don't ever say his name I'm you know I would never I would like my research is a perfect example of of how survivors don't feel safe in the justice system because there are not those safety nets for survivors to even testify. Like the justice system prosecutes the victim more often than they do the trafficker. So there's so many huge systematically that had to do with trafficking that I am really passionate about, you know, advocating for change on and a a lot of that just has to do with the things that I've done like, gone. and then the ongoing, you know, fear and retaliation, I guess, you know, it's hard to be a public national speaker when you're no, like obviously he's probably watching or listening and, and, and those types of things, you know, but I think, you know it's important because there's there's really not a lot of of people who who do speak nationally about it. Uh, it's such an important topic, and it's such a important view for for a survivor to speak out about because that's how we are going to create change. And especially me being a legal studies student, and then. The line of work that I do, um, you know, ha- having that lived experience is what is going to make change in the justice system. And that's something that I'm really dedicated to.
1: Thank you for sharing, Jessica. I really appreciate you sharing your story. Are there other ways you connect personally with your work that you'd like to share?
0: Yeah, my personal connection to my work really stems from my identity. A lot of it has, a a huge part of it is being two-spirit and a survivor of of trafficking, domestic violence, and sexual assault. Two-spirit people prior to colonization were considered sacred. And, you know, They were so sacred that tribes hid them and they hid them so well that they were just over time kind of gone. So a lot of the work that I do is is trying to bring back that visibility and that sacredness of two-spirit people because in research and data, Native people are already kind of invisible. You know, we look at, at things like databases and federal databases, not even having uh, Native American as categories. A lot of states don't even have Native as a category and they're missing people databases. So um, being two-spirit Native puts you in that invisible with an invisible category. And the work that I do is really to try to bring our visibility back and then, um, bring our sacredness back because even within our own communities, you know, people have that colonized way of thinking that, you know, two-spirit people are, are not sacred. And especially like for me, you know, as a two-spirit woman, when my father passed away in 2009, I, I held his fire for four days and, Usually, you know, they say that only men are supposed to be fire keepers. And within my spirit, I would not allow anybody else to do that. I had just a really strong feeling that I had to be the person to do that. Um, So my family respected that. And um, ever since then, I had been, you know, that's kind of when I realized that I was two spirit and that I didn't even really know the term. But um, that when my, when my father died and I held his fire for four days by myself, I, that's when I knew, you know, I have two, I'm two spirit, you know, and two spirits, people often confuse that as being like a, a sexual identity when it's not. It's a spiritual identity, you know, somebody who has the ability to see things spiritually and culturally through both lenses. Um, and are, has the ability to do things that both a man and a woman would do culturally and spiritually. So it's it's kind of a misconception in the in the LGBTQ community. And a lot of my work and my personal connection to that is to bring awareness to to the sacredness of Two Spirit people.
2: What have you seen um, affect change for communities? You know, to be less invisible, to be more seen.
0: I think in communities, you know, they, they need to be able to be inclusive in their services. And that these can be, you know, minor things like having gender neutral bathrooms in your facilities, in your facilities, or, you know, something such small as like a little sticker that says, hey, LGBTQ plus community, two plus community, you're welcome here. I work with a Person who has formed his own private practice for you know two-spirited people to heal because nobody ever created that space for him, and so having that connection to just being inclusive and saying, Hey, I see you, you're valid, you're welcome here in communities that is really crucial, and like I said earlier with the training that I did with the judicial council in California, a lot of that also had to do with, with inclusivity and, and how they can be more inclusive of two-spirit people and two-spirit survivors and victims. And within that training, you know, I told them things like just the bathroom thing. And then, you know, having, if somebody wants to be, you know, like the pronouns and things like that, basic respect of how somebody wants to be addressed or or spoken to, I really advocate for that as well. And I think that, you know, when people, if somebody's two-spirit and they want to be, and their pronouns are they, them, and you're calling them, you know, she, her, that type of thing, it's just disrespect. And I think that communities need to be more I want to say vigilant and paying attention to to who somebody is and to respect them when you're when you're talking with them, when you're working with them, any type of communication that you're having with somebody, you have to respect who they are and who they, you know, identify as. You're
1: listening to Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're chatting with Jessica Smith. Jessica is from the Boys Fort Band of Ojibwe. She's a mother, a survivor, leader, two spirit warrior, indigenous scholar, and researcher. So, Jessica, what have you learned about yourself and your community through your work and experience?
0: I have learned that I have an intense amount of strength. <laughs> I, I, prior to going back to school you know i i was using alcohol a lot and i was really disconnected from culture and myself and going back to school and getting into research and the advocacy that i'm in now really brought my you know inner warrior out as i said earlier and i have been more connected to my you know my two spirit side and, and being able to really connect with with other two spirit people and then also other survivors and kind of building that strength circle of people who you know that you know, you can trust, you know, will be there if you need something, or even if you just need a shoulder to cry on, because even the strongest warriors have weak moments, Um, especially in this real in this work, you know, this work can get really draining and really exhausting at times. But I have a really, really great support system within my local community. And then nationally, I have you know, sisters and brothers who, which I call, um, you know, my relatives all across the country who who support me and we support each other's work. And there's really a strong sense of of kinship and solidarity there. And um, so without that, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at. I have, you know, a lot of people to credit for all of the success that I have aside from myself, you know, it's, it's that community aspect of it and lifting each other up that has really gotten me to where I'm at.
1: Lifting each other up. Yes.
2: <sighs> so what resources are there, uh, Jessica, for those experiencing, you know, these unsafe environments?
0: Well, I work for Sovereign Bodies Institute. So we have a support, a crisis support line um, and that number is 707-335-6263. There's always somebody who is monitoring that line. If there's ever a survivor or anybody who is in crisis can call that number at any time. And if we are not available to, you know, pers- if they're not in the area, we can connect you with, with somebody who can help. There's also the strong lo- hearts native helpline which is specifically for native um survivors of violence trafficking all of that um and i think a lot of of native people really feel safer with that versus like the national human trafficking hotline which i don't have anything against but as a native person you know People I know a lot feel more comfortable with another Native person. So it's good that Strong Hearts Native Helpline and Sovereign Bodies Institute have those support lines.
1: Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for taking the time to chat with us today.
0: Yeah, Chimi Gwich for having me. Gigawabaman. Gigawabaman.
2: Gigawabaman. Thank you.
1: Jessica Smith is a survivor, leader, two-spirit warrior, indigenous scholar, and researcher. She's a mother and citizen of Boy's Fort, Ban of Ojibwe. To learn more about Jessica Smith and her work at Gidda research, we'll link that from minnesotanativenews.org. We'll also put up more links that Jessica talked about as well. And if you need help, StrongHeart's Native Helpline provides culturally appropriate support and advocacy for American Indians and Alaska Natives. And you can call them at 1-844-7-NATIVE. And that's resources for victims, families affected by domestic violence, and dating violence. And it's anonymous and confidential. So that's StrongHeart's Native Helpline, which is 1-844-7-NATIVE, which is 762 762- 8483. Additionally, the National Human Trafficking Hotline is available. The hotline serves victims and survivors of human trafficking and anti-trafficking community in the U.S., and that's one 373 7888 and we'll link all of those at minnesotanativenews.org. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Miigwech for listening. I'm Leah Lem.
2: And I'm Cole Primo.
1: Giga Wabaman.